Well, hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations. I'm super, super excited to jump into this week's topic. We're going to be talking about church leadership and how to increase your church experience. I think there's just some simple observations that I've made over the course of my journey, serving in the local church, leading in the local church, pastoring people. Now in the West Coast, I grew up in the Midwest, but really just some simple, practical observations and things that I think will drastically benefit your church experience, your church leadership, your leadership, your teams, your departments. Again, we're going to go super high level here to be able to give you guys just some very practical, basic things to be able to, again, increase your leadership, increase the people around you, and and again, grow and look more like Jesus. So there's going to be some just notes that I've made over my journey of attending services, worship nights. Again, just just some simple observations that I think will seriously help you. So I want to just submit these to you again. I, I don't think some of these are absolute truths. I think some of these things are just, again, my perspective of my experience. I've been in three churches now. The first two, I was on staff at this one. Now we're attending and, and participating in different ways, kind of building businesses and being entrepreneur entrepreneurship journey. So Keep in mind that I do have an entrepreneurial mind, a marketing mind, a business mind. So that that's where I'm coming from. And again, I just want to submit these to you. Some of these are not absolute truths, but again, I do think that will help you. So first, jumping in, jumping right in, once a month, you should have someone shadow you on a Sunday. If you are serving at any capacity on a Sunday or a Wednesday, which typically that's when you services are in, in a worship experience, if you are serving at any capacity, you absolutely need to have somebody shadowing you at least once a month. This might be somebody who's not even leading. This might be somebody who just got saved. It doesn't matter. It just needs to be somebody who's passionate and excited about what you're doing. And, and when, when you have somebody shadow you, what you're doing is you're letting them see what you see. And again, it, you don't have to explain everything to them. You don't have to stop and pause and tell them everything. If they've asked questions, obviously give them the space and grace to be able to do so. They can ask questions all they want. Give them, again, give them context, help them understand the why and why you do certain things, why you talk about certain things, why, why you look at this specific thing before you look at this. Again, having somebody shadow you and, and just saying, hey, hey, why don't you walk with me? Text them Saturday night or Tuesday night. Hey, I want you to shadow me on Wednesday night. I want you to follow me and literally just observe me. And the day after, being able to give them a phone call or send them a message like, hey, what were your thoughts or what were the notes you take, took from this last service? Doing that, one, will boost their confidence and boost their buy-in from you. But also, you, you always should be ready to replace yourself. And you cannot replace yourself with somebody who doesn't see what you see and understand the why behind everything. It might look like just a simple pipe and drape to somebody, but for you to under, help them understand the why of why we place it here, why we care about the details, those things will go so much farther. And that goes for you too, lead pastor or youth pastor, young adult pastor, whoever. If you, again, everybody should be having somebody shadow them at least once. And again, these are all so random. Again, these are just my thoughts. Uh, literally on my notes from, it's called church notes. Always start with a high energy praise song. You got to lighten the room. So Chris Hodges always says, people are coming in heavy and weighted and, and burdened 
to start out the service. People are had a crazy week, they had a busy week, they maybe got hurt by somebody, they maybe got lied to, whatever. So when they're coming in on a Sunday morning, we need to lighten that load. We need to lighten their spirit with a high energy praise song. Praise is a weapon. Praise, again, is what unlocks people's hearts to be able to do that, like the sappy worship song or hear a 30 minute message from you, pastor. We need to, we need to engage them with praise. And this makes note for this, stop doing 50 announcements in between each part. So what you're doing is you're taking people on a roller coaster. So let's do a hy- hypothetical service flow here. It, intro song, MC person comes out, kicks into worship, two songs into worship. The worship leader gives a, a, a little message or encouragement They go into the slower song. After the slow song, they find their seats. Somebody comes out and talks again. And then the pastor comes out. They do another worship song and somebody else talks again. All of that's fine. But what I would recommend to you is not doing any communication stuff to start the service. Have a really incredible intro song. Get the room hyped, low, low beams, just on the worship team, fun, engaging, all hype again. This goes for a Sunday morning too. Don't, don't start with announcements. Start with a high energy praise song. And I, I guarantee you your culture of your church will drastically change. The church doesn't have to grow old with the pastors. And that's not just saying Sundays. I'm saying youth, the the teams, the the systems, the small groups, that does not have to grow old. And it, this this is a much bigger problem that I've seen in the church is there we don't give people permission to not have it all figured out. And what I mean by that is give the 18-year-old a shot. Give them a chance because Jesus gave his disciples a chance. He gave them an opportunity to follow him just as much as us. We, we think that we have to have everything figured out. We have to have a, a picture of the Bible. If somebody has a heart for Jesus and they feel called, they're like, I feel called to do this. Our responsibility as pastors and leaders is to steward what God has put in their heart because God has called them to do something. And an insecure person mutes them or quiets them or tells tells them, you need to have stuff figured out before you do this. I, I would venture to say that that's just not true. Think about that in any other context. You gotta have it, you gotta have marriage figured out before you get married. That isn't no, you have no you have no concept of marriage. You get married and you go on a journey with your spouse. Just as much as leadership, they don't have to have it all figured out to to step into a role or step into a, their gift that God has placed on them. And this only happens, by the way, when when somebody doesn't empower people younger than them. Like youth pastor, you need to be empowering the high schoolers. That high schooler should be in announcements. There's probably a passionate 17-year-old. Let them preach. Let them preach to their friends. You know how many more people will show up and give their life to Jesus if you just give them an opportunity? Again, the church doesn't have to grow old. The church doesn't have to stay in traditions or, or the things that they used to do. There's a famous quote that says, if the horse is dead, dismount. If the horse is dead, dismount. Like, get off of it because you're not going to go anywhere with it. You got to find a new horse. You got to find a new way to get where we're going. Similar to the church, if we are so stuck in our ways and we say, man, we got to give it five years and, and I, we still need to do it 
but no one's showing up. It's burning out your team. It's probably time to not do it. Celebrate publicly what you want replicated in your culture. You got to be so good at celebrating people in specific things. And again, you should be celebrating privately and publicly. What I'm saying is celebrate people what you want replicating culture again so that's not saying celebrate things that you would see with your eye but maybe your heart or you would hear them encouraging somebody you would you would see them leading worship well from the front row those things when you celebrate them publicly other people naturally will go they're doing what we're supposed to be doing again if you don't celebrate people no one is going to know what the win is. There's a reason. And we're not chasing trophies. We're not chasing uh, flattery or encouragements just all the time. That's just not how it works. We need to be the people who are chasing after Jesus and chasing after lost people. So when we do this, and when you celebrate privately and publicly, not only will people go, man, he's so encouraging. I want to follow him. I think he's so much fun. I'm so glad that he encourages people. Every time, by the way, you do a team rally, you do a intro of your message, you should always be celebrating people. I, I would say Monday morning on your church communication platform, you should, you should definitely do some shout outs and don't just do, don't have your assistant write out a message, like actually record yourself or send a voice memo. Specific people on specific things that you want replicated. So Know the difference between internal communication and external marketing. Nothing worse than a church's social media right now being their announcement board for their church. The, ch the, the church online should be a ministry. Like it's a ministry place. It's where people are at. It's where people are, are gathering. They're asking questions. They're, they're sharing their journey with other people. When, when people are doing this, it's our responsibility to steward that. So... We should be looking at social media like a ministry, not your announcement board. I believe in internal marketing. I think there's plenty of apps and plenty of platforms where you can do proper internal marketing, like email threads specifically to team. Again, there's Involve Chat, the company I'm, I'm working with, like where our focus is team and stewarding them and discipling them via messages. That is good. Posting on Facebook that you have, you need volunteers or you need certain things like that. It's not going to work and you look needy. When you look needy, you're looking at what you don't have rather than what you have. And that's a poverty mindset. That's a poverty spirit of saying, we don't have enough to do what God's called us to do. That, is, that will never happen. God always supplies everything that you need for what you're supposed to be doing right now. That being said, you might be trying to outwork God in this season. He's called you to do something. So whatever he's called you specifically to do, do that. And if you don't, you're going to have to sustain it on your own. And that, that's where, where there's tension of, I feel tired, I'm burnt out, I'm not doing enough, or there, there's shame involved. And you're going, I think I am out trying to outpace what God's doing because God is in it for the long haul, by the way. Your ministry it's seven generations God's thinking about. It's not two years. Keep in mind, Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years, was in ministry for three years. Jesus's ministry was three years long, and it's still effective 2,000 years ago over billions of converts, okay? With that being said, steward the time that you've been given, steward the calling that you've been given, and steward the mission and vision you've given. 
by God. So know the difference between internal communication and external marketing. A church without a team night celebrating and training is missing out. You need to be having team nights and it should not just be feel like work. They already have jobs. That's, that's assuming you have a lot of volunteers or volunteers in general. If it's just staff led, I don't know, tell you this is, this is more for volunteers thinking about them because your church will move forward at the pace of the people's generosity within your church. So being able to celebrate them and train them, make it an hour and a half, bring Chick-fil-A, bring Chipotle, have fun, maybe do a little worship at the beginning. Again, make it fun, make it light. People should leave every encounter they have with your church lighter and filled with joy and passion. If it's not, if that's not what's being produced in the people that God has entrusted you with, there's something wrong with maybe the service flow, maybe your spirit, maybe your attitude. No matter what it is, you got to be able to find the source and maybe have it once a quarter, maybe have it once a month. It's, it's all, it's not specific. It's all specific on your needs. That's what I'll say. It's all specific on what your church needs. You might not need it once a month because you've already done that. Maybe you're doing it once a quarter. Maybe you're doing it every six months because there's people onboarding on your teams that you are assuming they know what their responsibilities are, what a win looks like, what a loss is. How do I, how do I challenge this person? How do I talk to this person? Make it a responsibility and a requirement for the person who serves. And, and we got to think about this in a, the psychological standpoint. We should get them to want to go. And if you can't get your people to want to go to something, you need to make it more fun. You need to, make, you need to have the reward be something fun. So there's a giveaway. There's food. There's community. Again, we can't force things. If you force things, that's legalism and tradition. You don't want to force things. We don't, we don't want to make people do something. When that happens, you take the fun out of it. We got to have team nights. They got to be fun. All right. Transitions and services should be practice. Let's talk about transitions. What I mean by transition, and I walked through the like a practical service flow earlier, those moments need to be practice. The worship leader where you're giving them two minutes to kind of like just kind of lead worship out of the Holy Spirit, whatever God's speaking to them. Maybe they have a, a word of exhortation or encouragement, or maybe they're just singing a, a song in their heart. Those moments need to be practiced. Because I've, I've been in moments, I've led moments where I didn't know what I was going to say. So then I ended up sounding like a joker because I didn't know what I was saying. And I was kind of lost in the moment. And I forget that I'm actually serving other people in that moment. When you don't know what to say, when you don't have, and, and again, not rehearsed, not per, like it's not, a, it's not a performance, especially when you're partnering with Holy Spirit because he can do whatever he wants. We understand that. But transitions in those services need to be practiced, especially when there's an exchange of the mic, if there's a, a video to somebody walking out, if there's the people walking out and the, the first song, a praise song or whatever. Again, we, we take people on emotional roller coasters and, and it creates awkwardness. Like imagine if in a movie, 10, every 10 minutes they took a break and someone walked up and interrupted your experience. You'd be frustrated. You spent your time going to this event and you're going, man, this guy's ruining it for me. That's what we do. We have an hour and a half service and 30 minutes of it is wasted information that they don't need to know about. And it can be just sent in an email or it's just for your team, which goes back to team nights. So have team nights. Don't put all that information out on a Sunday. The Sunday is about the person who doesn't know Jesus 
and the person who is not yet engaged in your or, or your church. So that's the person who isn't giving yet, isn't serving yet, isn't attending a small group. Again, highs and lows aren't good. We should create seam, seam transitions. You don't want highs and lows in a service. You don't want peaks and valleys in a service because it's draining on people and they will actually leave your services, leave your experiences more drained than when they came in because people are watching it. People are engaging in it. People are trying to gather what you're saying, communicating. And when we take people for roller coasters, they're, they're getting confused. They're like, man, this guy's talking, but he's supposed to be singing. This guy's singing, but he's supposed to be talking. And you get confused. Again, rehearsals and practice are needed in the church. And music in the sanctuary should create the best possible mood for your service. So this is super practical here. The, the music within the sanctuary or, or building on a Sunday or Wednesday or team night, all of that matters. And that goes back into hospitality of saying, I care more about the first time guest experience than my personal preference. Because my preference really doesn't matter because you can't think about yourself and serve other people at the same time. So when, when our, our heart is, I want to serve the person who genuinely has no concept of what church is. Maybe he was hurt by the church. Maybe he's only been to the small town boring church. And again, I'm for small town churches. I'm for all churches, but that's only their perception. And you're, you're doing something different. It might be the opposite, by the way. It might be somebody who's only been to a massive church with lights and a big band and you're a church of 50 and only have somebody playing a guitar. You need to be able to shape your experience for someone to not get lost in expectation, but they should know what it is and you guys should be excellent at doing so. With that being said, what people hear walking into your church, walking into the sanctuary, generally shapes the way their, their expectation is. With that being said, a little life lo-fi doesn't goes, goes far in your service. You don't have to be 1990s, crazy, loud, over-the-top music. What that does is it causes anxiety, confusion. Again, just create your, your job should be creating peace in the lobby, in the sanctuary. This is before a service. This is after the service. By the way, the first minute and the last 10 minutes after service are the most important time of that whole Sunday morning. So we spend all of our energy on a worship set when the worship set, by the way, is not determining someone staying at your church or not. The parking lot is. And that's statistics. You cannot. Feelings are obviously valid and important. But in these times, we need to look at the facts. Fact of the matter is somebody decides whether they're going to return to your church within a minute of getting out of their car. Maybe it's in the parking lot, unless you have a very small parking lot and they're in the building within a minute. That's fine too. But again, they're going to they're gonna choose whether they're going to return or not in that first, okay, the last 10 minutes after service. Maybe your service gets over at 1030. So 1030 to 1040 is the most important health barometer of your church because you can see the level of engagement and community you have. People in the lobby, people are hanging out at the coffee shop, checking out merch, not leaving the auditorium because they're praying over each other, encouraging one another. Those are the things that you can say, man, our, our experience is really healthy. What, what are signs of unhealth is when service gets in, everybody leaves, everybody walks out the room, get their cars, and they come back the next Sunday. It's like, are we, are we being the church or not? Because 
we don't want to just put on music shows or services or concerts. We want life transformation. We want people giving their life to Jesus, experiencing change, experiencing friendships and relationships, because that's what we're doing. We're cultivating all of that. So again, our hospitality and setting peace everywhere we go, because that's, that's how Jesus walked. Jesus walked with peace. Jesus walked with kindness and joy. People left refreshed. People left healed, encouraged when they were with Jesus. Okay. We need to develop ministers within the church. We need to, we need to develop people who are working at a bank, who are a police officer, fired, working at a fire department, a daycare. We need to develop them into a minister mindset. We've, got, we've done a really bad job of empowering people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And it, and it might practically might be going and donating clothes or whatever. That, that's also fitting a need. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, do the people attending your church feel empowered and mandated to be a light in their workplace? Or do they feel the need to have to invite them to your church? And that, that happens when somebody says, Pastor, I need, you to, I need you to get coffee with my friend. I need him to get saved, man. It's like, I don't know your friend. I don't know him. That'd be a little awkward. Why don't you do it? Similar, when the service ends in the only going up to pastors for prayer, there's, you just walk by 200 people who can pray just as, just as much as we can and just as effective as we can because we're all ministers of the gospel. Like You can convert somebody through the, through the gospel. Holy Spirit, obviously, is the one who does that. But what I'm saying is you could share the gospel with a friend. You can share the gospel with your family members. You can share the gospel with your neighbors. And again, it might not actually going down the Romans road of like, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All, all for sure the glory of God. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. All those are great verses in Romans, and I think they're applicable and they're powerful. I have a Romans verse tattooed on me. And I think our story and living a life of integrity and honor, and people are going to see you and they're going, man, he does treat his wife so kindly. I would love to have a conversation with him. I want to I wanna go to their house and get dinner because they just always have people over and they always feel refreshed when they leave. That is is what it looks like when your church all takes responsibility of your city. That might practically look like you having more empowerment, like make it specifically call to action on a Sunday or a service or a, or a voice memo to the person where you're like, man, this guy always talks about his friend, but I've never seen his friend in church. Like get him in here. To be the person who empowers your church to take responsibility of their network. We need to develop, again, ministers within our we need to teach through moments in services. If someone doesn't understand why we do certain things, we can't be upset when they don't know why. I, I would submit to you, you need to do a service run, run through at least once every six months. Because like I said earlier, there's new people coming in. They've never served at a church. They don't know what it takes. They have no idea what they're supposed to be doing. You need to do a walkthrough of literally when they walk in the building all the way to after the final service and all the lights are shut off, they should understand their assignment. They should understand their role. They should understand their responsibilities. When you want somebody to walk up with the offering containers, when you want somebody to open the doors of the auditorium, when you want the lights to turn on, when the, the music to turn on in the lobby, all of that stuff is things that we need to teach why we do it. If you don't share the why, it's going to sound like a job not an opportunity. It's going to sound like a job, not an assignment. 
And we don't want people to think of serving as a job because it's not because they're going to be frustrated because they're not getting paid. No, most people are not getting paid. And if you have people serving in your church, if they understand the why, they promise you they will be more willing to do things if you simply explain it. couple last thoughts here and then we'll wrap up for this week. Don't bleed on your audience. You can't think about yourself, again, and serve others at the same time. Stop bleeding on your audience. Stop bleeding on your congregation. There's one thing to share pain. Passion is shared pain. That's one thing. It's one thing to share a thing you're struggling with or share a thing. And again, and it's with the expectation of understanding when I share, I'm opening up permission for other people to be imperfect as well. That's one thing. It's another thing to only talk about yourself for 30 minutes. We don't want a TED Talk. God wrote a book. It's our responsibility to share that book and what God's speaking to us. When you open up and when you share your experiences and your pains and those things, that's usually when transformation happens in people. Word of the blood, blood of the lamb, word of the testimony. Okay, we got that. But it's another thing when you know somebody is truly hurt and up there sharing out of a, out of a hurt, bitter place. Then what happens is that the spirit of that is different because what you're now doing is you're wanting, you're wanting to be understood by people instead of helping them understand the person of Jesus and who he is and who he can be for you too, by the way. So that, with that being said, it is okay to share your pains. It's okay to share your struggles with people. Those things are what people are going to buy into. They're going to they're gonna follow and love you more for that. It's another thing to put it on people. You're putting on a burden of people that didn't ask for it. They didn't ask for that. You need to have a conversation with your pastor. You need to have a conversation with a friend to be able to do that in a proper place. We need to know our audience. Again, know, the pe- know who you're talking to. It's one thing to share your journey. It's another thing to put it on people and expect them to be able to carry that. If the room isn't light, learn to pivot and get people expectant. There's plenty of times when your service is just not going to be there. That's not your responsibility. There's going to be times where service is just dead. People are tired. People don't want to be there. People are just, that's one thing. Uh, Again, I understand not all these things are mutually exclusive, but when a room isn't light, you can feel there's just something going on. You can feel it it might be a spiritual thing. There might be something that happened in your city that you're not speaking to or the nation or whatever, there's fear involved. We need to learn how to create expectation in the people. That happens through God's word. And again, faith. Without faith, this whole thing doesn't make any sense. Without a spirit of faith, I don't think people can change. I don't think there's, there's transformation. God, that's literally how things move in a city and, and in an individual. It happens through faith. And it happens through expectation. So when a room isn't light or when a room feels heavy, feels just kind of gross, you need to be able to pick up on those moments. Speak to the moment. It's okay. Saying, hey, I, I just feel like we, there's a heaviness in the room. Can we just take a moment to pray? Let's, let's pray into it. Let's, let's get some expectation in our heart. Let's start praying in faith and believing. Again, those things are healthy speaking to it, helping people. Don't, don't shame people. Don't make people feel bad. Separate people of like, man, this guy, I don't know. That's just, that's ridiculous, right? We would never do that. So if the room is not light, learn to pivot and get people 
expectant, and faith-filled. We don't chase experiences, but we do set expectations. So you don't, we don't chase experiences. We're not, we're not actors. We're not athletes. In this moment, we are ministers of the gospel, okay? We set expectations. We set the bar. We, tell, we instill faith in our congregation and our people, for sure. We don't chase experiences, though. The Holy Spirit is not a tool that we use. He's, a, he's, a, he's God. He's a part of the Trinity. So we can't put Holy Spirit in a box. We can't tell Holy Spirit what he's going to do. We can't set faith. We can't we can believe in faith that something will happen, a miracle will happen. Again, all of this stuff is not mutually exclusive. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. But we don't want to chase experiences, and we don't chase anything. Our responsibility is to be aware of what's happening in the room and to be able to shift it with faith, leadership. It's another thing when the room is flat and you're trying to get people to go somewhere that they don't want to go. That's okay. It's your responsibility to steward, be faithful with what God's given you. So don't chase experiences, set expectations. Authenticity should be a value. We're going to end, we're going to end with this one. Authenticity should be a value, not just on a wall. That's not that's not values. Values, shared values, anyways, are things that everyone does subconsciously, consciously when they're at church and when they're not. So if we actually champion vulnerability and authenticity publicly and privately, and it's modeled by the leader, I promise you, your church will be the most healthy, healed environment that you can ever have because we know when you are vulnerable, when you are authentic and authenticity and vulnerability are different. Authenticity is being who you really are. Vulnerability is sharing what you've been through, who you are, and kind of being the, the, the real version of yourself. We, don't, we can't continue to fake it until we make it. It's not going to work and people see through it, especially in 2023. With that being said, I thank you guys so much for listening to this and watching this on YouTube. It means the world to us. If you can, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Hit the notification bell. We have videos going out every week. Podcasts are going out every single week. I encourage you to follow along, be a part. And again, thank you so much. We'll see you next week.